Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. We are in week number three of our series called The Great Exchange. And it's so wonderful to spend time with you guys today as we're building up to Easter and looking at this wonderful truth of the gospel that it's not just God forgiving us, but actually we bring all of our bad stuff to Him and He gives us amazing life in exchange for that, almost like a tree that receives all the carbon dioxide, all the polluted air, the air that's not really good for us, that we can't use for ourselves, takes that in and then it, in exchange for that gives us oxygen. So this great exchange taking place between God and man. And we've been building up in week one, we've been looking at the great exchange of guilt to grace. We bring our guilt to Jesus and He gives us grace. And then in week two, we looked at shame and righteousness, how we can bring our shames and we get His righteousness in return. Now, in today's sermon and week three, we're going to look at the great exchange of bringing our pain to God and getting authority in return. So I thought it best to maybe start off with a few painful facts on your side, and maybe you can... uh, quickly in the house, wherever you are, might be, uh, take a few guesses with me. The first painful fact, maybe a question that I want to pose, is who do you think experiences the most pain in the world? Men or women? Just like a little battle of the sexes here. Who do you think takes the most pain? If your answer was women, you are absolutely correct. In fact, the fact tells us that women experiences twice the amount of pain that men do. And then when I was listening to this fact, I was thinking, ah, but they don't experience it that intensely. I mean, obviously. So, and in fact, the facts begs to differ. It says that women experiences not just only twice as much pain, but they experiences way more intensely than men. So ladies, respect goes your way when I'm thinking about dealing with pain. Did you guys also know that the brain, even though it's the most important mechanism for us to experience pain, it tells us what's happening in your body when there's something painful happening somewhere, the brain itself cannot experience pain. It doesn't have any nerve endings to experience this. In fact, there's a technique called brain mapping where surgeons would probe certain brain tissue and monitor certain reactions uh, to see while the patient is awake and fully aware of what's going on to see what's happening. And they can do this because the brain physically cannot experience any form of pain. The most common pain in the world, if you want to take a guess quickly, I'm going to give you two seconds. One, two is back pain. Yes, you heard it correctly. Back pain is the most common pain in the world, followed up by headaches. So in in the USA alone, they spend more than $50 billion every year on painkillers just for back pain. So it is a huge issue in the US, it's clearly, and obviously in the world around there. Now, in order for us to better understand this topic of pain and how we get to exchange our pain for authority, I think I want to take you guys on a journey and just look at three things. Firstly, I want us to look at the gift of pain. And then secondly, the problem of pain. And then lastly, 
we find the answer to our pain and how we get to this great exchange. Now, the gift of pain. Yes, I know you're thinking to yourself, what do you mean the gift of pain? Exactly what I'm saying, the gift of pain. Pain is a gift. Firstly, it's a gift because it tells us that we're alive. I mean, if you experience pain, you're still alive, it's clear. Secondly, it's a gift because it tells us that there is something wrong. It's a signal that points us to something that's not good, that's not well in our bodies. There is a lot of warning signs and lifelines when it comes to pain. In fact, can you imagine what it would be like to live in a world where you cannot experience pain at all? There is actually people like this. There are people that cannot feel pain. They struggle with a CIP, it's in short, a disease or a diagnosis that says cognitive insensitivity to pain. These are people that physically cannot experience pain. It's a very rare disease out there and it's actually a very dangerous one. And the reason why it's so rare and dangerous is because the people that experiences this usually don't even make it to adolescence because they can't experience pain and their bodies are not learning what is good and what is not good for them to do. For instance, Beck's parents, it's a, this is a study in a case of a specific kid that had this CIP disorder in his life. They, he was diagnosed at the age of five only. Then they discovered that he couldn't feel any pain in his body. And this happened after he bit off his tongue Literally, the point of his tongue, edge of his tongue wasn't there anymore. And he jumped from a flight of staircases and he broke his foot like gone. Didn't realize what was going on and didn't show any signs of pain. His parents before the age of five, when he, before he was five, thought that he was just mentally retarded because he was bumping into things and he wasn't crying about the stuff that's happening. Meanwhile, this person cannot experience pain at all. In fact, it's so dangerous and so rare that most people die before they even reach the age of adolescence. There's a story of a young boy that is in Pakistan and um, people were marveling about this, this child's capacity to handle pain. He would walk barefoot, stand on warm coals and not flinch. He would even use knives and stab himself with knives and people were amazed at the fact that he couldn't show any pain. And then finally, he died when he was jumping from the top of a roof story trying to prove that not even this will get him to experience pain. He's all powerful in a sense. So it's clear to see that if we cannot experience pain, we're in great danger. Pain is a gift because it points us to a place where there might be a problem. In fact, in the words of Dr. Kurth says the following, he says, we might fear pain, but in developmental terms, from being a child to being a young adult, pain is incredibly important to the process of learning. So pain helps us and it teaches us. It's a good thing, actually. This sounds very much to me like James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, that says the following, Consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face all kinds of trials, all kinds of painful trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, grown, learned, and complete, not lacking anything. What's James busy saying? 
Well, he's not saying that pain is irrelevant and that there's no pain in this world. In fact, he acknowledges it so beautifully. But what he is saying is he's saying that God can use our pain. He's also not saying that God is the author or the source of all of our pain, but God can still use it. There is a purpose. And even though bad things might be happening to you at this very moment with the pain that you're experiencing, good things can be happening in you if you would allow God into this journey. And that brings me to the second point. You see, if pain is a gift, we all know that there's also a problem with pain. And if it's clear that the problem of pain is not experiencing pain, because that's actually a gift, a gift that points us to places where there might be lies in our life, where there might be destruction or things that's not good for us, there is, however, a problem with pain. And the problem with pain is not the fact that we experience it. The problem is what we do with it. What do we do with our pain? In fact, I want to ask you that question today, very personally. What do you do with your pain? the pain that you experience. You see, pain is a very unpleasant experience. And therefore, the number one action to pain and reaction that we have with pain is we would just like to numb our pain, get away from it. I don't wanna experience this anymore. And we call that in, in our daily world, whenever I have pain, we call that a pain killer. So you drink something that takes away the pain, but not the problem. That's actually what we love doing. We don't allow this gift to point us and help us with the problem that might be wrong or might be threatening us. In fact, if we should choose to walk the road of numbing our pain, drinking painkillers, on a physical level, you and I, the pain, the thing that causes our pain, can take us to such an extent that it can be devastating and terminal for us. We might even lose our leg because we're not listening to this pain. We're just continuing to numb it and just kind of ignoring it, either fleeing from it or just running over it, but never allowing it to teach us and to go through that process. And this is usually where sin comes in. You see, sin plays a role in the problem of pain very clearly in two areas. The first one is many times people don't recognize that sin is the cause of our pain. I cannot tell you how many times I've spoken to people that's going through very strong and rough emotional seasons, and especially people that, that doesn't know Jesus, that not yet accepted Him. They don't see that the cause behind their pain is embracing sin and running after it. But I'm gonna say a little bit more about that a little later on. However, sin is not only just a cause of pain in our life. Sin is many times presenting itself as the cure to our pain. This is where the subject of the painkiller comes in once again. You see, sin is a very expensive cure in our lives because it presents itself to us as this wonderful pleasurable event something that will bring us great pleasure. It's going to be great if we embark on this. But right at the end of that, we only experience more pain. It's like it's just, it's a painkiller. It deals with the temporal feeling of pain, but it never deals with the greater problem of pain. It's an overpromise and an under-deliver experience. This is what I call a painkiller. And so many times I've seen people running to sin for this. 
And you probably know this. I know I'll never forget it in my own life, dealing with a lot of relational rejection in my life and people that I had to forgive and didn't want to forgive. And I had to work through the pain, but I didn't want to do that. So I ran to all kinds of relational sin, like pornography and bad relationships and anger and never forgiving people, harvesting bitterness in my heart towards other people because I didn't want to deal with the real pain behind it. And I thought that what sin is presenting itself as would help me. Let me use an example of the under promise and over deliver picture. Because usually when we think about sin, the bad stuff is easy to identify. But the difficult part of sin is when we make the good things God has given us our God. So I'm gonna use an example for money. We see money has a promise and it promises power. Now money is also a good thing. I mean, any of us, whenever we get our salary, we would all agree that money is a good thing. God created this, it's a beautiful thing. It's a resource, it's amazing to use. But should you elevate money from being only good to becoming God in your life, and it becomes the ultimate thing in your life, this is the one thing that you give your life for, I mean, if you have enough money, you can buy whatever you want. You can buy happiness, you can buy power, you can buy whatever your heart desires. That's the power that money promises. Now, the, the bad thing that nobody tells you about money is while money promises power, it actually takes power. It says, give your life, your allegiance, your time, your health, your energy, give all of that to me while I'll take your relationships with your family, your health from you. And when you find yourself with loads of money, you have no relationships, you have no health left because you've worked yourself literally to a point of death that you can just have more power, a false promise, a over promise and a under deliver. And guys, when I'm honest, I'm honest with you. When I'm thinking about this, when we look at sin to become the cure for our pain, we're not, we're not coming in for a great exchange. We're coming in for a terrible exchange. And so many people have been hurt. That's the problem with pain because we run with our pain to the wrong places. So what's the answer? What's the answer to the problem of pain? Well, I think it's quite obvious that Jesus invites us to bring our pain to Him and not to run to sin and to acknowledge that pain many times has a different origin than what we might think. The Psalms write it like follows. It says, the Lord is close to those who are broken hearted. I want to tell you today, if you're in pain, God is close to you. He's with you. He's nearby you. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. God sees you in your pain and He invites you to bring that to Him, to bring it into the light. Don't suppress or numb it. Open it up. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. So there is this invitation for you and for me to bring our pain to God and no longer to numb it or to take it to a false overpromise under deliver picture. Actually, the best example that I can give you guys of this is the picture of a surgeon. 
someone that says, I mean, obviously when you're in trouble and you broke your leg, um, I'll never forget this once in my life um, <clears throat> when Gerda was actually pregnant with Jean. I had the privilege of working outside in the garden and I was busy building something. And while I'm building something, in that same moment, I stepped with my little leg here, my little big toe on my right hand, on my right foot, I stepped into a huge nail. And let me tell you, it wasn't the beautiful sight. I was screaming like a baby. It was super sore. And um, at that stage, this, this uh, nail was connected to a huge big plank and I was trying to get my foot out of it, but it just couldn't get out. I needed help and the pain was immensely big. So ultimately, we got a doctor on the phone and a friend of us and he, he was a medical doctor and a surgeon and he came to my house and we had to saw off the plank and make it shorter, which was very painful. I didn't like that at all. And then we climbed in the car and we went to the hospital and I had to go into surgery to remove this nail from my foot. It was an absolutely terrifying, horrible, painful experience. But can I tell you, there's only one thing that I dreamed about and it was, I want to get this thing out of my toe. I don't want it in my foot anymore. And that's kind of the picture that Jesus says. If you're experiencing pain, He is the surgeon. He is the healer. It's going to be painful. He's going to have to work on you. He's going to have to sort out and cut out all the damage and all the danger in that space. But you need to trust and allow Him to do this. That's the only way for you to get healed. And that's the invitation. Now, where does the story about authority come in? Well, it comes into this. The reason why Jesus invites us to bring our pain to Him is because He knows pain can take us if we're not careful. You see, pain has a voice and it speaks. And if there's one thing that pain reminds us of and tells every single one of us is that we are a victim in this world. It's so classic. I see this every day with my kids. When they have a little sibling rivalry, some other fight here or there, they will run up to me and, Daddy, Daddy, this happened. Then I engage. I'm like, why are you doing this with your brother? And then the moment I start engaging, it's like the Adam and Eve game in the garden. But Daddy, it wasn't me. He did that. And then, yeah, but yeah, she did that. And it's just like, I couldn't do this because he did something bad to me. And now he made me do that. I'm a victim of his pain. It's kind of the picture. And whenever we're in pain, that's what we love doing. We always accuse, no, it's not my fault, it's your fault. You see, the key with this is that's the moment pain starts ruling over you. It tells you a lie that you cannot reign and rule in this life. I want to confront that lie for you with the truth. Romans 5 verse 17 says the following. He says, for if by the trespasses of one man, that's our sin and picture that Adam, that God is speaking about, death reigned. That's pain. Pain is reigning through that one man because the ultimate result of pain is death. Yeah? Through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, listen to this, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. What's Paul busy telling us? He's telling us that pain should never reign over you. If you're in Jesus Christ, you are established once again in a place of authority. And if you bring your pain to Jesus, 
He will give you the authority to rule over that pain and not allow it to make you a victim of that pain. And it rules over you. I'll be honest, I'm spending time with lots of people and in my own life, I'm also confronted with this. But whenever we've experienced pain, we always look at the person that inflicted the pain and we say, I can't do anything. That person did something to me. The truth is, you can decide what you're going to do with that pain. That's the first moment where you and I decide to rule. I want to end off with this and make it a little bit practical. I quickly spoke about the causes of our pain. And I said, sin is many times a great cause of our pain. And that's kind of like the bad pain. And God can step into those spaces. And I want to show my hand to you because I want to show you five different places where pain can come from. But four of these five, these four that I'm going to mention, they are bad pain. But then there's also one place that's good pain. And we're going to get to that. So here's the four, five areas that usually pain enters into our life. Firstly, the enemy. Now here's the little pinky, it's the smallest area of pain that usually comes into our life. And when it comes to the enemy bringing pain, accusing you or, 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 or telling you that you're not good enough, accusing you with guilt and shame and telling you lies. Yes, the enemy is working many times. I've seen so many people dealing with that pain by either just giving in and trusting him, some other temptation or whatever he's bringing into our life. But on the other hand, I've also seen people screaming at the enemy, trying, hey, get away from me, devil, da, 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 da. However, that's not the way we rule over this. The way we ought to rule over the enemy is by proclaiming the truth where he wants to sell a lie. I really want to encourage you to do this. Whenever you're getting accused, whenever you're in a place of pain and you need to deal with guilt or with shame, that you can proclaim the truth that you are declared righteous in Jesus Christ. Speak to your soul. Speak the truth. Rule over that pain. Second area of pain is relationships. This is usually where most of the victim mentality comes in. This, uh, the ring finger, because it reminds us of relational pain. How do we rule in this moment? Instead of being a victim of that relational painful act that happened to you, where there was someone that hurt you in a way that you could never ever even have imagined to be hurt in that way, Jesus tells us we rule over that area by forgiveness. And maybe today there's people that you need to go and forgive. He also tells us if you've neglected relationship that we are to bless, to engage, to take responsibility for that relationship. The third area of our pain is self. It's also the biggest finger. It's usually the area that we hurt ourselves the most is ourself. There I want to encourage you, if there is an area in your life where you're wondering, is what I'm doing good for me? Allow some transparency in your life. Allow accountability. Allow people to speak into those spaces. That's how you rule over that victim mentality. Fourthly, last one, it's usually the finger that we point out to the circumstances around us. And that is, that's the brokenness of this world that comes into our life. Jesus tells us that he has overcome the world. He says, there will be trouble, but I've overcome so how do we rule in that space? Well, I'll never forget maybe a practical example of this. At a certain stage, I've given myself so much to the news and it was breaking me down. 
And, and I was just tired in my soul. I couldn't handle this anymore, dealing with the brokenness that's in our world. And I had to make a decision. This is what I want to empower with you with. You can decide what you allow in your life and how you're going to allow brokenness into your life when you look at this world. I had to cut listening to the media and news to a specific space. Sometimes we do this by what we eat and what we allow in our life. We are, we're embracing a piece of brokenness in our culture many times. But all four of these areas, God gives us the capacity to rule, to be victorious in, and not to become a victim of the pain. Then there's a last area, and that's God. And this might be shocking for some people, but it's true. Sometimes God does allow pain in our life. He brings it in. And it's a good thing. And if that is the case, if you think maybe God is busy working in your life, and I want to make it very clear, this is not guilt or shame. That is definitely not God speaking. But maybe God is nudging you and He's trying to point out, maybe there's a trial coming your way. As James speaks, and when it comes to that, I want to encourage you to serve and embrace that space as much as you possibly can. For whatever God brings is good. I want to end off with this last comment. The greatest moment and the greatest victim ever to exist on this planet is the innocent death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it was in that moment that Jesus did not become a victim, even though he was truly a victim. No, he became victorious by choosing what he's going to do with that pain. His first words on the cross was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He didn't give in to pain, didn't seek revenge, didn't run away from it. He surrendered to God's will for every area in our life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of authority that we need not allow pain to rule over us, but that we can rule over our pain by trusting you, by bringing our pain to you. Thank you for that gift that it shows us maybe spaces where there still lies in our life, where maybe you are growing us into more mature followers of Jesus, into your children. And Jesus, I want to come and pray for whatever area of pain people might experience, that today, that they will no longer be enslaved by your pain, but that they will take up the authority that they have in Jesus Christ and proclaim the truth, embrace the truth, walk in the truth, that they have received through Jesus and stand in authority. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.